Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And here we are joining together to ban burnout, build community, and boost business. So glad that you're here. Today's episode, we have Jen Petro and Rachel Pritz. And these women are significant forces in my life. And we're going to talk about intentionally building community, which is how I've met them. And the idea of intentionally building community was new to me until I found that I needed to do it. I was leaving a 16-year career, and with that, I was leaving a lot of relationships, not because I didn't like or care about those people anymore. I just knew I wasn't going to see them very much, and I wanted to have people that were in my community that I could build real relationships with that would support me in life and business. So I went out looking for people, and these two were part of this ripple effect of the original seven of us in the Badass Women's Council founding group. And it's been a significant game changer for me and what I hope to inspire all of you to go out and find for yourselves. In fact, I'm launching an online community here in the next week or so that will help you find other badass women. So stay tuned for that. But in today's episode, we talk about how when you know each other's unique gifts, talents, and personalities, you can build trust quickly within a group. So Rachel's going to talk about how to use the Enneagram, which is an assessment that helps you understand your personality type, but also helps you understand everybody else's personality type and how we can use each other's strengths and weaknesses and just sometimes just give each other grace, which is what we could all use a whole lot more of, I think, today. And then Jen's going to revisit this personal retreat that we talked about uh, in a past episode. And um, I think you're going to find a lot of useful nuggets in here. And we also talk about an experience that's launching in Indianapolis, where I live, called Rise and Thrive, which will be launching on September the 26th. And I'll put a link for that in the show notes if you're here local and want to gather more information. So here we go. Hello, ladies. How's it going? Hello. Good. Hello. <laughs> So we are going to talk today about three topics that all of us have become um, really familiar with, which is banning burnout, building community, and boosting our business. And we're going to focus on this idea of building community actually helps do the other two. Sound good? Sounds great. So let's talk about building community and how we all met. Which is so interesting because sometimes I forget. It feels like we've known each other for years and years and years. So that's a, an aspect of building community that I always want to highlight that when you intentionally go out to build community, you can build really strong relationships very quickly. Would you agree? Disagree? I agree. Yeah. You guys are way quieter than you are in real life. <laughs> 
Well, and even as you're talking, I'm thinking, Rebecca, you and I met, I think it was like back in February before I had taken the leap into full-time coaching. And I was honestly just reaching out to people on LinkedIn that I had been following them for a while and I loved their message and it resonated with me. And we met for coffee. I think we had to reschedule, actually. We met for coffee then. and Because yeah, I had a family yeah, thing. Yeah. And yeah, we hit it off and I'm like, I left and I'm like, this will not be the last time I work with this woman. I yeah. know something's going to happen. I just don't know when that's going to be. And so I think we've both just been kind of following each other and we just, we have a very similar message. We have a very similar outlook on community and connection and all these things. Yeah. Which is a great way to use social media to test out some of that, to say, who would I like to be friends with in real life, which is a key part of one of the business models that I'll be launching for an online community. But the reason to have the online community is just to test out who do I want to be my people? Because Jen, you and I had that same experience. We got introduced by... um, My attorney, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Karen. Um, And immediately, same thing with both of you. It's like, oh, those are my people. Yeah. 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 And the network growth then is like exponential because you meet people who are high achievers, who are connectors, like you are masterful connector. And it just explodes from there. Love it. And and that's another key piece of this is knowing what you're good at. So connecting, I know I'm good at that, right? And, And then when you build community, you're looking for people that see the world differently than you, or, you know, sometimes it's that commonality, like, like you said that, you know, I loved her messaging, but I don't want my community to be all of me's. Sure. One of me is damn enough. (laughs) Don't y'all think? Same for me. (laughs) Because I love when we get together and have conversations because your perspectives are so different, which brings us to the topic I want to make sure we hit today, which is, Rachel, you are uh, um, an executive coach and a life coach, business coach, and you're using the Enneagram to help people identify their unique strengths and personalities. Yeah. Yeah. So the Enneagram is unique. I have done all of the other tests and this is certainly not, you know, shaming any of the other tests. I think they all tell us a little bit of something about ourselves. So I did DISC and Myers-Briggs and, you know, all these, all these different tests, StrengthsFinder. They gave me some information. The Enneagram was a personal reflective journey for me. And so I dove into it about three years ago and I actually mistyped as a three. And so, you know, I thought, yeah, okay, this is sort of useful. Throw it in the drawer. Went back to it and started listening to a lot more podcasts, reading more, really did a deep dive into it and recognized that I was a nine, but I was totally asleep to the fact that I was a nine. So all these things just made perfect sense as I started exploring it. So it was a transformative experience for me. And so giving that to my clients was really important to me. And in some ways, it's almost selfish because Mm -hmm. I can have... I can coach them from a totally different perspective, from their lens, from the way they view the world, not the way I view the world. Once I understand their Enneagram type and they start to wake up to some of the things that they were asleep to. I love the Enneagram conversation. And for those of you who this might be the first time you've heard of it, you're like, two, seven, eight, what is going on? Yes. Right. And it starts with an E. When I first heard it, I researched it in Google with an I. So I thought it was I N N. It's E N N. And I'll put a link in the show notes so you can get some good information. But before we tie into why the three of us are having this conversation, give a high level of what is the Enneagram? Why would someone use it? Yeah. So what what 
makes it stand out from the other personality assessments is that it talks about your motivators and it helps you discover why you're behaving the way you're behaving. So the other assessments tell you about your behaviors, good information, but we don't always know why we're behaving that way. What is my core motivation? What makes me do the things I do? I might know that I'm being a jackass, Mm -hmm. but why? why? What drove me to do this? Yeah. So for me and my unique personality type as a as a nine, I, peace is a big thing for me. So internal peace is why I really do everything I do. And so some of the other types, I mean, there's there's all sorts of different motivators out there. But I think that is the the opportunity for people to grow and learn about themselves and to wake up to themselves is yeah. what is my core motivation? Why do I do what I do? And if we're going to build real community for our businesses and for our personal relationships, knowing people's why and purpose and motivators is the great connector, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I know that somebody's being an ass, me or somebody else, I'm much more adaptable and empathic when I know why. Like, yes. I, you know, I now that I know my kids are 17 and 21, so it's much easier now that they're older, but it's much more, I can be much more forgiving even with my kids. If I know the context of what's happening, it's just an easier way to connect with people when you know why for yourself and why for another. Yeah. There's a instant grace that comes from mm-hmm. understanding all the other types. So that was something that's really important to me. And I always encourage my clients to explore all of the types, not just their type. Because you can have so much more compassion and grace for the things that they're struggling with, mm-hmm. why they're behaving the way they are. And it's different than why I'm behaving the way I am. But it, it is an insta-compassion, which is what I love about it. Yeah. And it ties back to, you know, my boyfriend, Simon Sinek. You know, whenever we talk about <laughs> yes. Simon Sinek on the podcast, we always refer to him as my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure at some point he's going to catch word of this and it's all going to come together in some beautiful way. I don't know. We'll see. I like putting it out into the world with good intention, but his entire body of work that launched his career was about start with why. And to me, that's going to be the unifier. If we are going to get to this place of seeing business through the lens of humanity, that we do it from the sense of, of why. So while we're on the topic of why, why we're all here together. Yes, to talk about Enneagram, but also we're circling back to a previous podcast where Jen introduced us to the personal retreat. So let's let's connect to that really quickly. We'll revisit and tell people about what is what does it mean to take a personal retreat and why would I do it? Give us a little synopsis of that. Yeah. So it's just a practice that I started doing a few years ago um, that really was transformational. And so um you know, leaning into this whole idea that we are just bombarded constantly with noise and distraction and stress and I mean, burnout, all those things are are real. And and Rebecca, you talk a lot about burnout and how dangerous it is, right? Um, and so well, let's just talk yeah. about that. So the World Health Organization has just put burnout on the list of epidemic proportions and an occupational phenomenon. It might actually become listed as a disease by 2024. This is this is a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. It's not just 
oh, I'm overwhelmed. It's like, no, this is a real threat yeah. to our well-being and our success and our relationships. Well, and- and, and because the three characteristics they talk about when they list burnout is energy uh, depletion and exhaustion, which, you know, who hasn't felt that from mm-hmm. time to time? Uh, your own professional effectiveness just completely declining where you just have... The third characteristic is cynicism about your work and about what you do. And the combination of those three things, if you're a business leader, you should be going, "Uh uh-oh. Right. That's That's the bottom line. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, this idea of just getting away, um, finding some solitude and and doing it in a way that's refreshing, but also structured. So going into a personal retreat, um, knowing what you want to get out of it. And it's going to look different for everybody, depending on what stage of life they're in, um, what what issues they're dealing with in their current situation. And so um, for me, personal retreats have a lot to do with reflection, looking back, um, really doing some self-examination, which that's why I love Enneagram too, because it's all about this idea of self-exploration, looking at how you fit in in the world, how you fit in with other people. What are you doing right now that's filling your soul? What are you doing that's deflating your soul? Um, And then, you know, goal setting and um, planning for future stuff, dreaming big. And honestly, it's a time just to recharge and to sleep (laughs) and to soul care, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it can be a lot of things, but um, it's definitely a practice that I feel like not enough people are doing, especially women. Um, We feel like it's too indulgent or we feel guilty about the idea of going away for a couple of days, but it is a non-negotiable, honestly. And when you came on the podcast a few months ago and talked about this, other than imposter syndrome, it gets the most feedback and comments and questions from my listeners. You're number two personal retreats, people coming to me saying, oh my gosh, am I allowed to do that? And we're like, yeah. And people saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to do that because you provided a beautiful toolkit for people to facilitate this because oftentimes that's that's the barrier. It's like, yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, I made it for myself. I mean, I, yeah. I created that for myself because there was nothing out there that I could find that would help me figure out what is this supposed to look like yeah. and what are some activities I can do while I'm there and what should my days look like? So yeah, absolutely. And I said on the podcast, if anybody does this, report back. We want to talk about it. And so Rachel, you took a personal retreat. Yeah. Well, actually, I have it scheduled. So it's scheduled September 17th and the 18th. That's right. Yes. It's coming up. And the reason you decided to do it ties to the Enneagram. Yeah. So, I mean, my need for peace and internal peace is really important. I have two kids at home. I have a very busy life. The noise that Jen was referring to, I talk about that all the time. We are just bombarded with noise. When you ask people how they're doing, their response is almost always, I'm busy, but good. Busy busy. You know, this mm-hmm. word busy, we're all so busy. That or they we don't say I'm stressed. It's either I'm busy or I'm stressed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's two things that quite frankly bother me about that. <laughs> One is what you tell yourself comes true. So if you have told yourself that you're busy and stressed, surprise, yes, you are. And so I don't think you should always be Pollyanna perky positive, although as an Enneagram seven, that is one of my characteristics. (laughs) But one of the things that's important is if you do tell yourself that you're going to feel that, but also asking yourself, okay, why is that? What can I do differently to combat that? I don't want busy and stress to become this badge of honor that we think who gets the prize for the busiest and the most stressed, because somehow we think that's correlated with we're important or big business people or something. I don't know. That's my fear of it. 
Yeah. No. And I experienced that even in the corporate space, we would compare our schedules and it was like, who is the busiest today? Mm. I was triple booked four times. How about you? You know, I mean, it was a badge who of has honor. The most emails? Well, yes. you know, I've got- I have a thousand in my inbox. What do you have? You know, I mean, it was this competition. And about three years ago, I was like, no, I am done with this. I'm going to set some healthy boundaries. Even in my corporate space, I set healthy boundaries. I was not there more than 40 hours a week. I still got my job done. I was very effective. There's actually research to show that if you work more than 40 hours a week, you're counterproductive, which is really the interesting. Law of diminishing returns. Right. Yep. Um, if you have eight hours to do a two hour project, you're probably going to take eight hours, right? That's what we do. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that was something that I personally wanted to combat because I wasn't showing up as the person I wanted to be for my family mm-hmm. or my husband or at work, quite frankly. So, And as leaders and organizations, we need to be really cognizant of this phenomenon. I can remember it's been a decade or more than a decade, two decades ago, I was leading an acquisition team and their previous leader, you were rewarded based on how late you stayed and all the overtime that you put in. That's Mm -hmm. kind of how that particular leader had said, you know, who's the most important around here. And I saw it way differently. So I would come in and I said to them, what's wrong in the business that's causing you to have to work so late each night? What do I need to know about the systems and the processes or the effectiveness here that's keeping you late at night? And they looked at me like I had three heads and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, this business is built for you to have a life. And apparently something's wrong in the business or something's you need to learn something different in your skills that gets you home five or six o'clock at night. And then all of a sudden they realized what they were trying to do was showcase for me as their new leader that, you know, they were busy and they were important and staying late showed commitment. I'm like, no, show, staying late shows that you're not effective at your job. Like, how can I help this be better so for you? And it was yeah. a huge culture shift that um, quite frankly, one of them didn't make it through. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always coach leaders that they have to model this behavior. If they're going to tell their people, we want you to have work-life balance. I'm saying this in quotation. There's no balance. <laughs> Air quotes. But, Air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you want to have this, you know, life at home too, um, they they have to model that. So, you know, I've had in the past, I've had leaders that have said, go home, it's four o'clock. But then I see them on email at nine o'clock sending me messages and yeah. and they have to model that behavior if that's what they want for others. One of my clients this morning, we were talking about, I call it life rhythm instead of life balance Mm -hmm. because air quotes, it is crap. And, and we were talking about the difference in rhythms that people create for themselves. So their particular way that they did work was they were very much, I get in, I do the job, I'm out at five o'clock and their leader is one that works a few hours in the morning, does some personal stuff in the middle of the day for kids, goes back for a few more hours. So so she spreads this day out. And so the reason she's emailing in the evening is because she may have taken three or four hours in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. to do other life things. And so it's getting clear with your team on how that plays out. So there isn't the expectations that we're working all the way through until the hours of the night, right? So getting really clear in communicating why it's happening. Again, there we go. Why? Knowing why. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to the self-exploration. I don't think you can figure those things out about what's going to work best for you and your own rhythm until you take time to go away and to spend time using tools like the Enneagram to explore like who are you and what motivates you and what fills your cup. Yeah. Because I know now that every day at 3.30, I've got a dip 
And at 3.30, the little bitch in my head is loud. Like she is mean and ugly and she needs a snack or something. <laughs> and so what I'm what I'm doing now is I now plan my day around what are the key projects where I need my highest level of energy that better not be planned at 3.30 because that's not going to go well. And, and what's that break that I need that rejuvenates me to then finish the day strong or start early enough that my day's done at 3.30 or whatever. But knowing yourself well helps you manage those things well. Yeah. And those are the things I really, what drove me to the personal retreat. And I have been thinking about this for several years. So I asked my husband for Mother's Day a couple of years ago. I just said, I just want to go to a hotel. I just want to go to a hotel by myself. <laughs> it can be down the street. Don't care where it is. I just want to sleep all night. Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so he gave me a, you know, he said, just book it, you know, like, here you go. I never did it. Oh, here's why I didn't have a framework. What I feared is that I was going to go and sit in a hotel room, binge watch something on Netflix, <laughs> order some crappy food for my body and drink a bottle of wine. And I was like, which also, not- <laughs> it, which also not going to lie, sounds pretty fabulous, <laughs> but it's not what I but, wanted out of a personal retreat. But we all know because we've worked hard on knowing ourselves, it wasn't going to leave you feeling refreshed. Yes. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to come out refreshed. I wanted to feel very clear about who I was. I wanted the noise quieted. I wanted to set some goals. I wanted to do all these things that Jen put together in this toolkit. So now I have this framework yeah. and I'm like, done, I'm off. I have, I have something to an agenda to go by and it'll be, you know, I'll loosely follow it. It's not like it needs to be, you know, really rigorous. I want it to be my own, but you know, even part of it is the reflection of relationships that you're in. That's huge. And that was something that I just really wouldn't have put together on my own, but I love that. I mean, we all know that people come and go out of our lives Sometimes we need to let those go and grieve those relationships and be done with it. I was going to say some we need to let go and not chase them down the street. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And some we need to figure out where we have holes and who do we need to fill in, you know, with those those holes. I know starting my own business and growing as much as I have, I have outgrown some of my people. Mm-hmm. So I need to add some other people like both of you to my network. Well, that's how the Badass Women's Council originally started was. And and by the way, our three-year anniversary was this past Sunday. I love that. We're going out to celebrate on Thursday night and it's going to be fabulous. But it it has been in community, building community like this is contagious. And this is a perfect example. So what originally started out for me personally in in building this group of, of seven women, then other people were saying, how do I get in? I want I want a badass women's council. And then it just is this ripple effect. And now we start to look at this core group of seven women, our reach now and how we've brought other people into the fold and have other groups that we get together is just fascinating. It really is contagious that you want more of it. Absolutely. And once you've had it, I think you realize how did like how did I go this long without it? Mm-hmm. Once you have that kind of rich community and relationships that are just soul filling like that, you you'll never live life without it. And it doesn't take years and years to build the high trust that people think that it does when you are intentional about it, and when you've got people that are aware of their own stuff. And Enneagram is a re- great way to do that. It just um, it it facilitates high trust quickly. Because I mean, I've told y'all everything. We know yeah. all your junk. All <laughs> yeah. the stuff. Yeah. But it's so refreshing because I think sometimes even in that corporate space, we were told to have our armor on, right? You know, mm-hmm. Brene Brown talks all about armor. Yeah. Right. And I had my armor on for a long time. Once I took the armor off, 
I actually started becoming getting promoted and people started seeing me as a higher level yeah. leader. And so I think that was huge. My authenticity came out when I was able to take that armor off. But I love being around people that can be vulnerable. It's just refreshing, right? We just instantly trust them. Vulnerability equals trust. Well, and it is, that's how you build great relationships. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my client this morning, we were talking about the little bitch in your head and they were shocked that I had a little bitch too. And I said, well, what, why would I not? We all, we're going to die with her. Like she's here forever. Like we the, we all have these insecurities. And when you can be vulnerable and share that with each other, there's this beautiful connection that happens. It's like, oh, you see me. You I love it. Me. And it gives the other person permission yes. to be themselves. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we all compare and despair. So mm-hmm. Rebecca's got it all figured out. She never mm-hmm. has any problems. And then we sit in our own despair, right? <laughs> and you all are on the inner circle like, mm, no, yeah. not so true. Well, and... and this idea of it's okay not to have your stuff together is so, so necessary because that's that was the other conversation that just came up this morning is this fear that they'd say something wrong in a in a client meeting or not know the right terms. And I, and I said, I guarantee you that that client has had that experience too, right? And you probably connect over those vulnerabilities um, if you just admit that. Yeah. yeah, that you're afraid sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think for the Enneagram, when we talk about feeling kind of like we're the only one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Enneagram for me helped me recognize that there's a whole bunch of other people that feel and behave and are motivated by the same things that I am. I thought I was weird. I mean, you know, I thought something is fundamentally wrong with me. The things I say in my head, the little bitch that comes mm-hmm. out. Something's wrong with me. Other people don't do this. And that's just not true. We all do it. Well, you know, that ties into a project that we're all working on together. We're launching the first annual Rise and Thrive experience for seven women in the Indianapolis area. We're piloting in Indianapolis where we all are. But one of the big things that women need. And this came up in all the research that I've been doing about how to serve women well. There was a report that McKinsey and Company put out, Women in the Workplace, last year. And it was a study of what women in the workplace really need. And one of the phenomenons that this report talks about is the onlys, which is when you're the only female on a leadership team or the only female in a meeting or the only female. And this isn't about poor, pitiful me. This is about being able to see yourself in this company or in this meeting. And when you can build intentional community with other women outside of your organization, you don't experience that only phenomenon so much when you are at work. Because the fact is the numbers are the numbers, right? We're not going to significantly change that today or tomorrow, but we can do other things that give us what we need in a community of like-mindedness, other great high-achieving female career women that we don't feel so only when we're at work. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm pretty darn excited about it because when we come together with all of our unique gifts and talents and are able to freely share and be vulnerable, we get better. We get more courageous. And that's good stuff. Well, in the courage piece, so these seven women are going to come out of this thing as courageous, brave women. And even if they are the only one in the room, they're going to tap into their own unique gifts and abilities as a woman 
and be able to really show what women can do in a room full of men. And so I think our default, I've experienced this, is that I act more like men. I try to behave more like men because that's what I'm seeing in Mm -hmm. front of me and that's what will help me fit in. (laughs) And what I really want is to belong to this group and for them to really respect me. And so when you can show up as a courageous woman and you know yourself and you are authentic, oh, damn, that's I mean, that is where diversity actually meets where it needs to be. Right. Look out, Indianapolis. We're about to we're about to bring you seven amazingly strong, courageous women. And I can hardly wait. They're gonna be unleashed. Yes. Unleashed and that's what companies the want. They want women to show up as their authentic selves. They want them to to bring that diversity to the leadership table. Yeah. And we have to do that work as women. Because it I mean, all the studies show that there is a huge return on investment when you invest in females. Yes. It's it just, it's hard data. Uh, I'll actually put a link to some of that in the show notes. Yep. It's proven out. So if mm-hmm. you are a leader in Indianapolis and you're thinking about, oh gosh, I've got a, a woman on my team that could use some community and I really want to invest in her. It's, um, it will pay in spades for sure. Ladies, I love having you here in my office and we're going to continue these conversations. And if you are thinking, ooh, personal retreat, I heard Jen talk about that before. This is your other tap on the shoulder, permission slip, reminder. We're telling you, you should do it. And so Rachel, you're going to come back after the retreat and tell us how it went. And we have another uh, listener who has also taken a retreat. Shout out Carla Hayden. And she's going to come on with you. And we're going to talk about how to go. What did you learn about yourself and all that fun stuff? I love it. I haven't even gone on it yet. And I'm telling everybody, you got to download this toolkit because it's just amazing. And you all have to do this. And I haven't even experienced it yet. But I know it's going to be just awesome. Yeah. yeah. And and there's been mixed. And we'll talk about that on the next uh, episode when you tell how it went. But there's been mixed reviews from people about... When you say, hey, I'm going to take a personal retreat, some people look at you like you're crazy. Yes. We'll talk about some of the comments I got before and after. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. They're just jealous. Yeah. All right. Thanks, ladies. I'm not coming down. Hey, thanks for being here today. So reflection questions for today. How's your burnout level on a scale of one to 10? Have you normalized burnout, which would be the biggest problem that it's just become so much of your day to day that you don't even realize how much it's impacting you. So just that's the only reflection question for today. I think that one's just big enough. How are you doing in the three areas that the World Health Organization has identified in burnout? Your energy, your level of cynicism, and just your professional effectiveness. How are those going? If you want to chat about it, look at some coaching opportunities or anything to address it, I'm your girl. Thanks so much for being here. And as I mentioned in the intro and throughout the episode, we are launching an amazing experience in Indianapolis that's live for seven women to go through this experience over seven months called Rise and Thrive. If you're in the area or have badass friends in Indianapolis, click the link. We'd love to give you more Information we launch on September the 26th. Thanks so much. Make it a great day. I'm not coming down. I never liked it on the ground. I'm not coming down.